0: This has been a big weekend for wrestling, in particular British wrestling, as both New Japan and WWE have put on major shows in the United Kingdom. Today on Wrestling Curiosities, we rewind our British Standard timepiece long before the UK takeovers, long before the Royal Quests, long before the heyday of Giant Haystacks and Big Daddy. Heck, even Big Daddy's Big Daddy wasn't around to witness this one. We go back to October 23rd, 1826 and a legendary contest that took over a small town in Devon. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing first fighting out of Cornwall, falling out of the Red Lion pub in St. Columb Major. He weighs in at a boozy 320 pounds, the King of Cornwall strong style, James home And his opponents, fighting out of Devon, mucking out the cows on his family farm. He weighs in at a mean, lean 175 pounds. He is the Devonshire wrestling champion of Devonshire, Abraham Cairn! In the UK, Devon and Cornwall are a bit like Springfield and Shelbyville, two very different conurbations in the southwest of England. The easiest way to decipher if somebody was from Devon or from Cornwall is to give them a pot of cream, a pot of jam and a scone. If they put the jam on before the cream, they're from Cornwall. If they put on the cream before the jam, they're from Devon. This is 100% true, by the way. It's been a source of great disagreement between Devon and Cornwall for centuries. It's been known to end friendships, end marriages, even just end agreeable nights out. I'm not saying that the placement of preservatives on baked goods is what caused the ructions we speak of today, but I don't think it helped. We begin our Battle of Southwest England in Cornwall, or Curnow to its residents. Cornwall is where you'll find Land's End. This is the westernmost point of England. It's literally called Land's End, like it's the end of land. You'll have heard people reference Land's End to John O'Groats, which is a famous charity trek where people travel 800 plus miles from the very bottom to the tippity top of the country. Well, Land's End is where you start, so that's kind of where we're starting too. In the Cornish parish of St. Colin Major, you'll find the Red Lion Pub. Since 1816, our first combatant has made this humble tavern his home, not as a patron, but as a landlord. Meet James Pokinghorn Jr, son of James Pokinghall Sr. He's liked, feared and respected by his customers in equal measure, mainly because of his reputation as one of Cornwall's toughest men, a master in the art of Cornish wrestling. Dating back to 11.39, the first contest of which was between the founder of Cornwall and Gog Magog the Giant. Now that is a story for another time. The rules of Cornish wrestling were simple. You had to throw your opponent down and make them land flat on their back. Points were rewarded for how flat your opponent landed. And these points were decided by three referees, equipped with sticks that they raised when an opponent had landed perfectly flat resulting in a victory for the thrower. Incidentally, these three referees with sticks were nicknamed sticklers. And yes, that is where the phrase a stickler for the rules comes from. You're very welcome. Whilst it wasn't a standardized style until the 1920s, there was a strict set of rules to adhere to if you wanted to wrestle Cornish style. Now, both combatants had to be barefoot and wear specifically designed duck cloth jackets. These were designed to allow better grip for the opponents as all holds are taken upon the other wrestler's jacket. So there's no grabbing of the fingers or the wrists, no blows below the belt either. You may think, ah, it's fine. I can get away maybe with a cheeky low blow. Need I remind you, there are three referees watching. They've all got sticks as well. I can't imagine they'd have issue with using them for more than acknowledging a fall. James Pokinghorn, landlord of the Red Lion, knew the rules of Cornish wrestling unlike any other and proved it on a regular basis in his younger days. Many times people travelled from Devonshire to pit their strength against the fabled Pokinghorn only to return with a bruised sternum, a bruised ego or in most cases both. Many years removed from his previous fight, James Pokinghorn was still confident of his abilities as a wrestler. So it felt like just another day at the office when a new challenger, a lean man in his mid-thirties, walked into the Red Lion ready to fight for the honour of Devon. That man is our second combatant, Abraham Cann. Born in Colbrook in 1794, Abraham Can's youth was spent working on the family farm. His father was a big fan of roughhousing and would teach Abraham the ways of wrestling as he grew up. Little did Robert know that his father-son bonding would lead to Abraham's eventual vocation. Abraham would marry and start a family, continuing to work on the farm and continuing to build a reputation across Devonshire as a skilled wrestler. Arguably the grandmaster of the Devon style. So we know Cornish wrestling is all about upper body strength, having to throw your opponent to the ground without hitting below the belt. Devon Style was less about the throwing your opponent and more about just getting the guy down on the ground. To this end, Devon Style allowed combatants to wear shoes. Now over the years, these were given upgrades to the point where baked shoes were being worn. So imagine somebody kicking you really hard in the shins. Yeah, you, you imagine that? It hurts, doesn't it? Right, okay. Imagine them kicking you in the shins when they are wearing a rock as a shoe. Devonshire wrestlers were tough, but they very rarely walked home after a fight. Whenever you read about Devonshire style, Abraham Kan's name comes up. He took on everybody in Devon and took them down. Kan was different to Pokinghorn in one major way. He wasn't willing to stop at being the king of his castle. He wanted to find other castles to be the king of. In September of 1826, Cam found himself in the Eagle Tavern on City Road in London, where all styles and disciplines would converge for wrestling contests. Cannes opponent that night was beloved Cornish wrestler James Warren of Redruth a man who had saved hundreds of lives from a burning ship on the Bay of Biscay one year before. He'd been injured in his Herculean heroism and was on the comeback trail as a wrestler. Khan showed his respect to Warren by opting to remove his shoes and fight Cornish style. It was a good effort by Warren, but Abraham Can was able to adopt, adapt, and take his opponent down, claiming the top prize on that cold September night in London. and left the city having proved his worth away from Devon. He had another opponent in mind next, one that would cement his name in the history books. It was time to go to the pub. The date was October 23rd, 1826. The place was Tamar Green, Morristown. There was some early excitement about the Cornwall-Devon battle, but when word got out that each man had wagered £200, it suddenly really became something to see. Reports say that over 12,000 people gathered at Tamar Green that day to watch this regional clash of the titans. Some questioned how wise it was of poking horn to accept the challenge. Sure, Big Jim was a well-regarded monster of Cornish wrestling, but it had been years since his last real wrestling match. Plus, working in a pub doesn't exactly lend itself to clean eating and healthy living, does it? Those lock-ins and those barrel-testing afternoons had seen Pokinghorn pack on the pounds and was now well over 300 of them. It's about 21 stone. Can was in the shape of his life and fresh from proving himself in London. So he was on a high and the bookies had his back. Pokinghorn and Can agreed to a wrestling contest that mashed the rules of Devon and Cornish style. They went back and forth for months to iron out the finer points. Who wears what, where you can hit, where you can't hit, poking horn, pushing for a deal to get some Cornish wrestling ice cream bars, that sort of thing. We have contestants, we have a venue, we have stipulations, we have prizes. All we need now is to get on with it and let these guys wrestle. Cornish characters and strange events by Sabine Bearing Gold. This book is filled with tales of some of the most peculiar and fascinating happenings from 19th century Southwest England, including a blow-by-blow account of the wrestling match that took place between James Pokinghorn and Abraham Can. Overwhelming volumes of cheering relieved the tension as the rivals entered the ring. Pokinghorn in his stockings and Can with a monstrous pair of shoes. Pokinghorn had been discounted as fat and unwieldy, but the Devonians were dismayed to find that great as was his girth, his arms were longer and his shoulders immensely powerful. The match was for the best of three backfalls, the men to catch what they could, and two experts from each county were selected as sticklers. Both men sought their favourite holds. As soon as Can caught his adversary by the collar after a contending display of shifty and evasive form, Pokinghorn released himself by a faint and drove his foe to his knees. Nothing daunted, the Devonian accepted the Cornish bear hug, and in the efforts of the rivals were superb. Can depended on his science to save him, but Pokinghorn gathered his head under his arm and lifted him from the ground, threw him clean over his shoulder, and planted him on his back. The very earth groaned with the uproar that followed. The Cornishmen jumped by hundreds into the ring who embraced their champion. The fall was announced to having complied with the conditions. Pokinghorn now went to work with caution, and Can was conscious that he had an awkward customer to tackle. In the ensuing round, both men played for wind. Pokinghorn was the more distressed, his knees quite raw with punishment, and the betting veered in Can's favour once again. Then the play changed, and Can was apparently at the mercy of his foe. When he upset Pokinghorn's balance by a consummate effort and threw him on his back by sheer strength, the first fall the sticklers allowed him. Ah! With one fall apiece, Can next kicked tremendously. But although the Cornishman suffered severely, he remained dead game and twice saved himself by falling on his chest. Disputes now disturbed the umpires, which occasioned an hour's delay. With wind regained and strength revived, the 10th round was contested with absolute fury. Taking kicking with fine contempt, Pokinghorn gripped Can with Leonine majesty, lifted him from the earth in his arms, turned him over his head, and dashed him to the ground with stunning force. As the Cornishman dropped on his knee, the fall was disputed and the turn was disallowed. Pokinghorn then left the ring amid a mighty clamour, and by reasons of his default, the stakes were awarded to Khan. The victor emerged from this terrific hug of his opponent with a mass of bruises, which proved that kicking was only one degree more effective than hugging. A more unsatisfactory issue could hardly have been conceived, and the rival backers forthwith endeavoured to arrange another encounter. Pokinghorn refused to meet Khan, however, unless he discarded his shoes. Various devices were attempted to bring them together again, but they failed. Each had a wholesome dread of the other. One fall apiece, but all ten rounds couldn't give us a decisive winner between Khan and Pokinghorn. The Battle of Devon and Cornwall remains as contested to this day as whether you put jam on the scone first or the cream. They would never get that rematch either. Neither man would contest in a match of this magnitude ever again. Pokinghorn would quietly retire from wrestling altogether and run the Red Lion Pub until his passing in 1854. Can would also run an inn in the years after their clash and passed on 10 years after Pokinghorn in his native place of Colebrook. You can still drink in the Red Lion, you know. It's still there, in St. Colin Major, it's got a Facebook page and everything. It's also got a plaque outside that honours its fighting landlord, James Pokinghorn. Maybe if you find yourself in Cornwall, you should pop in and challenge one of the publicans to a wrestling match. Actually, no, don't. Don't do that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.